Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 45 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I have the funny, talented, witty, and just plain silly. That's right, Lara Frazier. Silly Lara from Instagram is here. She is chatting it up and we are getting into it. We talk about her recovery story, how sobriety is becoming trendy, and what it means to be an influencer and if that's even a thing. We dive into relationships, to love addiction, and to dating in sobriety. This episode is chock full of nuggets. So let's get into it. Oh, life. Isn't it just, just lovely, isn't it? So Um, wonderful. Lara, thank you so much. I know this is round two. Um, It is. Yep. I like to think that I'm really, uh, like, technologically savvy, and then um, the universe has a way of really humbling me. Just really (laughs) taking me down a notch. So I am so (laughs) stoked to have part two maybe you know what maybe I just did it myself well this is part one for most people yes but it's part yeah, yeah. two for us <laughs> yes exactly I just like to like say the the first part didn't happen so then I can like convince you to come back on and chat with me <laughs> <laughs> so yes, sneaky you go, girl such a totally. sneaky little bitch <laughs> <laughs> anyways so, Lara, my little silly Lara, um, I want to jump right into it with you because I am very interested in your story. I have obviously been following along on your journey on Instagram, and I want to know the ins and outs of your recovery. Like, I want to know how it all started. What? Can you take us down memory lane? Yeah. So, okay. do you want to know what, like, um, how 
addiction for me started and then moved mm-hmm. my way into recovery. Okay. okay. Yeah, that'd be great. all right so here's the thing about my life like um I had this idea that I was obsessed with validation and my parents saying they were proud of me so Mm -hmm. I was super into my studies my education getting good grades like joining every student interest group there was just focused on accomplishments and achievements um my parents would tell me every single day that they loved me, but for Mm -hmm. some reason, like if they told me they were proud of me, that was a bigger deal. And I had an older, yeah, I had an older sister, um, who was just, she's just a genius. She's super smart. She doesn't need to study to get good grades. And Mm -hmm. she was a cheerleader and it just felt like she was doing everything. And for most of my life, I thought that my mom loved my sister more. So there was a little bit of resentment about that. Yeah. But anyway, so like in college, I, I barely drank. Um, I didn't really drink until I turned 21. Um, of course I had like tried pot and stuff like that. But in my, um, senior year of college, I had a, just a minor surgery and I was prescribed Vicodin. And during that time I was studying for the GMATs, which is the entrance exam to get into graduate school. I was going to go get my MBA. Um, And when I took it, it was like the sense of relief that I hadn't experienced before. Mm. And so nothing really happened in terms of physical addiction. The prescription ran out. I think I found another one of my prescriptions in my parents, um, my parents cabinet and took that. But that was like my first taste of something that felt like it was the answer. It was the answer for me. Mm. I didn't have to be obsessed with like achievements and accomplishments and I could just be myself and I felt calm. So I went through grad school. I got a good job. Um, I was engaged to a man who I had met in Arizona Mm -hmm. and he was studying to be a lawyer and there was a lot of physical and domestic abuse, but we ended up moving back to Arizona. I quit my job in entertainment um, and we got in a huge physical altercation where he pushed me into a refrigerator and pushed (gasps) me on the ground. And so I, um, I left that relationship and that wasn't the first time he'd done those things. He choked me before, but I kept like making excuses for it. Yeah. Um, and so basically during that time of my life, my life was a little bit in shambles. Um, I didn't have an identity. I didn't have any label and I was so tied to this definition of happiness is success. And so I didn't have a job. I didn't have my fiance. Our house was going to be, um, in danger of being foreclosed. Because, um, I, our relationship was ending. I didn't have money. Um, and it, it was just, we bought this house that was way too expensive because we wanted to look like the picture of success. Mm-hmm. And, um, around this time, I moved back to Los Angeles. I got a job in television production and I was involved in a car accident during that job. And so I got prescribed opiates. Um, Ooh. and so I obviously got, physically addicted to opiates, but I was still able to manage my life. Um, mm. I, w- I would say it was high functioning. Um, but then what happened is I, I got a job as a, a VP of sales for this entertainment group. And it was like, finally, I'm going to be back to being someone. I'm going to have an identity. I'm going to be successful. My parents mm-hmm. are going to be proud of me again. Um, right. And then a few days before I was supposed to start at the company, the investors pulled out and said they couldn't bring me on. 
And so I went over to my neighbor. Yeah. And it was, it doesn't sound that devastating now based on what I've been through. But at that point in my life, at like 24 years old, it was a lot. And how I defined happiness, it was a lot for me. Yeah. And so I, I told like, you know, I called my family and my friends and I kept telling them I wanted to die. And I was laying on the, uh, the carpet floor of my neighbor's apartment and they were telling me, you got to call your psychiatrist. And so I called him. Mm-hmm. And told him, you know, I want to die. Here's what happened. He's like, I've got the answer for you, Lara. Um, and so the next day I drive up to the pharmacy in Malibu and I pick up a prescription and it's for Adderall. And I had like oh tried Adderall, <laughs> Adderall maybe what? twice in my, yeah, maybe twice in my life. So to be clear, I don't have ADD or ADHD and he knows that. Right. Um, he was prescribing it for depression and suicidal ideation, which is like a crazy thing to do. But sometimes it's prescribed off label for that. And this psychiatrist was a kook anyway. Um, yeah. He had told my parents at one point, everyone is on drugs in California. So, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, um, my God. It doesn't. What, yeah. like, And that's supposed to be OK. Oh, yeah. And you know? my parents are from Texas and they already didn't like California. And so that just made them hate <laughs> California more. <laughs> um, and so like, uh, I, I took it that day and I didn't want to die anymore. My life mm-hmm. felt like it was opening up. Um, I felt like obviously high and in love with my life again. And I started like, it started to make me feel more spiritual in a way in which it was, I'm not defined by my accomplishments or, or achievements. I'm defined by like the type of person I'm being. That's how it made me feel. And of course it made okay. me get everything on my to-do list checked off and more like my oh. house is sparkly clean and I'm not <laughs> clean at all. So and it, like I got back <laughs> I got back to writing poetry, which is like my one, like one of my one true passions. And I was, I was actually taking less than prescribed for quite a bit because it was like, he prescribed me the most that you could prescribe in California. And for someone who has no tolerance to amphetamines, that's a hell of a lot. Like I couldn't sleep for two days after taking it. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. And so gradually, like I started taking more and um, I started snorting the Adderall. I had a prescription for Xanax. And so I mixed it with Xanax. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was in a new relationship during this time. And he saw how I was like getting addicted. And he kept like telling me to stop. He'd like go into the bathroom after I was in there and see the remnants of of pills and call Mm -hmm. me out. And, And so obviously, like I would try to stop, but I just I couldn't stop. And so he ended up, he's from Canada, um, from Quebec City. Mm-hmm. And he ended up moving back to Quebec City because he claims um, it was for culinary school. And it was. And I guess the province of Quebec gives people free school if they're from there. And so um, he moved back there and we were still in a relationship. And he still claimed like he loved me and stuff. But I know he was doing it to get away from me. Yeah. So at that point in my life, like I had no one, le- no one really to watch over me at night. I didn't need to sleep. I didn't need to go to bed and pretend that I was sleeping. And I was devastated that he was away from me um, because like he was the thing that I was clinging on to. Right. Um, and so within like five months of being prescribed Adderall, I experienced drug induced psychosis for the first time, which is like Whoa. Um, being paranoid and hallucinating and hearing voices. And I called my parents who are actually psychologists. Um, and I told them that my roommate was spying on me. The printer was taking pictures of me. And so they knew it was due to the Adderall. Um, 
Wow. So they made me, they made me get off the Adderall. I went into a deep depression. I went into a psych ward for the first time in my life. Um, and then like a little bit later, I moved, I actually convinced my boyfriend to let me move in with him in Quebec City. And it was only because I was paying his rent. I don't think it was because he really wanted me there. Right. And then in Quebec, I tried cocaine for the first time and I went completely psychotic and I thought he was trying to murder me. And <sighs> I bit like a huge chunk of his arm. Um, and I went to a psych ward in, in Quebec where I didn't know the language. So that was terrifying. But basically, yeah. For the next four years of my life, it was like I was in and out of rehabs and sober living homes and psych wards. I was on the streets sometimes. Um, and so I lived in like this state of paranoia. I would get sober for a little bit, but couldn't stay sober out of rehab. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that I had an addiction to men um, right. where I got, yeah, I got kicked out of rehab, my second and third, uh, rehab for getting in a relationship with a guy. And it's like, every time I got out of rehab, I would hang out with a man and they would be my new drug. Like they would fulfill me in the same way that, um, the pills did. They were my obsession. They were my thoughts. Right. And so, so in 2014, um, to skip over like tons of mess that you can, you can imagine, um, <laughs> <laughs> I went to rehab for the last time in Texas okay. and I checked in for substance use disorder and love addiction. Um, I was a terrible mess there. Like my parents chose it because they said they wouldn't kick me out. They took on the toughest cases. And within three weeks, I was having sex with a guy and not <sighs> listening to them. And they were like threatening to kick me out. But luckily, like after several threats they allowed me to stay I moved into a women's sober living home and within like rehab I really got to understand what love addiction was and that truly helped me and my psychiatrist there had said like the best way to measure the health of a woman is to look at her relationships with other women and mm. at that point in my life like I barely had any women in my life because I had pushed right. them away because they cared about me because they loved me or because I was like jealous of them or thought they were jealous of me and so that year in sober living, like I really worked on my relationships with other females. Um, mm -hmm. Do you want me to go into my more of my recovery story? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I want the addiction. Okay, I want to hear it all. Like, give me everything. I'm just so I like I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like, okay, okay, so. All right. So I moved into sober living. Okay. Um, I, you're like required to get a job and required to go to meetings every day and required to work the steps. So um, I went to AA. I actually went to this group called Drug Addicts Anonymous, but they use the big book and they just exchange the word alcohol for drugs. So it was pretty hardcore. Okay. I got a sponsor. Um, I worked the steps within like a six month period of time. I actually went back to that rehab and like made amends to them um and they were just they were just really proud to see how far i had come within six months yeah um and i got a love addiction therapist i went to sex and love addicts anonymous i i worked a job at trader joe's um like like stocking shelves and creating like the flower arrangements and that was like truly truly beneficial for me because it humbled me because here i am thinking like not thinking anymore, but I used to care so much about um, my career and like the mm -hmm. title of my career. And so it really like allowed me to be responsible and accountable and understand like what it means just to live like an honest day's, day's work because mm -hmm. I hadn't in so long. Um, and um, 
I moved out of, I didn't get in a relationship for a year. Um, I, I still was terrible and was on Tinder and talking with guys and sending them nudes and taking pictures <laughs> of my ass and, and a thong and doing all that. But I wasn't getting in a relationship and I was, I was very hyper aware and yeah. I was able to pull back in a much quicker amount of time than I would have in previous and like, in like previous years. Um, but at Sober Living, I was like getting these awards for being the best resident. And it, and it was just crazy to me and my parents because like for the last four years, anytime I was in rehab or Sober Living, I was like hell on earth and um, yeah. constantly the worst one there. So it was obvious that I was growing and changing. Um, and I can't stay like I didn't go to rehab being like ready to, you know, surrender and give it all and say, all right, I'm doing this. I went because I was right. getting evicted from my apartment. like. I had ran out of um, money. My parents were done with me. Like I really had nowhere to go. So this was the option that was presented before me. Um, but I started building a relationship with God and I had never had any issues with God, but I did see him as judgmental. And so like reading the poetry of Rumi really helped me see God in a different, in a totally different light. And like I became far more spiritual. Ooh, um, I like that. Yeah. And so, so within about two years into my recovery, I actually, um, I was doing like three, I was this good, this very good AA, you know, a not student client, whatever it is, AA mm -hmm. attendee. I was doing everything my sponsor wanted me to do. I was walking women through the steps. I was going to three commitments a week and talking about the steps and telling my story at treatment centers. Like I was just, um, just like, and I valued myself by how much I could quote from the big book. Wow. Um, okay. And, and yeah, hardcore. and my life, yeah, too hardcore. <laughs> but my life, like, in two years, started growing and expanding, and I was like getting, I was getting sick of having to do all these commitments all the time. I had a new job working in marketing, um, and I was like, can I? I asked my sponsor if I could drop one of the commitments, and she basically said she couldn't sponsor me anymore if I did that. And I was like, huh. what? Like, um, okay. and so, so anyway, I dropped the. And around that time, I started like opening up my world. Um, I was a little bit closed minded about recovery. I had no idea that people recovered outside of the 12 step community. I had never heard anyone doing it. And um, everything I learned from the people in my AA community, they were like hardcore and they were like, this is the only way, this is the right way, this is the best way. So right. I started I started listening to home podcasts with Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan, and they had this private Facebook group. And I found women that were recovering like um, outside of the 12 steps and or like as 12 step as a supplement to their recovery. Mm -hmm. And to me, like I had never seen that before. And so I just started becoming more open-minded to other recovery pathways. And there were things in my life that prayer and go to a meeting and help somebody else. It, that wasn't the answer. I needed more than that. But that was the only answer I got from my sponsor or other people in my specific AA community. Right. And so slowly, like, I, my sponsor dumped me. Um, I obviously wasn't doing the commitments since she dumped me because all those commitments were with her. Um, and I like started slowly backing away from AA. I signed up for Hip Sobriety School, which is now Tempest Sobriety School. Um, it was like an eight week online recovery course. And I, I'm like, I started 
seen the modalities and methods of holistic recovery. I learned more about trauma, mm-hmm. um, like yoga, meditation, the science of addiction, about relationships. And like, I met all these wonderful people who were willing to like accept me for who I am. And I was able to be honest with them about my story and my truth. And they were supportive of me leaving AA because also like my boss at the time um, told me like, I mean, multiple people told me you're going to die or you're going to relapse without AA. Um, oh my God. But my bo- And my boss like sat me down, like and pulled me into his office and pulled all the other women I worked with into his office and like confronted me about leaving AA. And I went home and like, yeah, I went home early. I cried on my bathroom floor and I was like, am I going to relapse? Am I going to die? And it was like so much torment Mm -hmm. that I almost checked myself into like a a psych ward because I was like, I just, I obviously didn't want to drink or use, but all these people were telling me I was going to. And I had been taught for the last four years, like you can't trust yourself. You can't trust your thoughts. So I didn't know how to trust myself, but I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. I did. Obviously, I learned to trust myself. I learned to trust my intuition because mm. after, for me personally, after I left AA, my recovery opened up in such a huge wide way. And I think that's when my self-esteem truly grew. That's when I started my blog and started openly talking about recovery. And it's like when I started using all these other modalities that I had never heard of before. And I felt empowered in my recovery and I felt Mm -hmm. proud of my recovery and I dropped the addict label I wasn't an addict like that was an experience of mine but it's not who I am today Um, and so I made like a lot of um of big changes and I've been sober for over five years so it's been three years without AA so obviously I'm still alive and I'm not dead and I haven't relapsed (laughs) Um, contrary to popular belief uh she's alive and kicking (laughs) <laughs> I am sure alive. Um, not not the Holy Ghost of Lara, but, but that's the best. I mean, and that's where I am today. Um, yeah, like recovery is the most important thing in my world. It's the greatest gift. I've been given everything that I could have ever wanted, and so much that I don't even deserve. And so, um, I'll I'll never leave it. I never want to leave it. I never want to forget what recovery means to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, how was that? I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. 
My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. It just seems kind of scary leaving AA. Like it seems like all this fear and all this, you know, like I, I experienced the same thing, like people basically just dropping you because you yeah. kind of wanted to stray or wanted to open your, yourself up to different modalities. I mean, yeah. if that's not judgmental, it- I don't know what is. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, it like I I mean, it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my sobriety and my Mm -hmm. recovery. And I still like and and because of all the people who told me those things, I can't even like go into meetings yet because I get very, very triggered by certain things like this is the only way or like you are selfish and you're self-centered and we need to break your ego or that you're constantly like if this doesn't work for you, you're constantly um constitutionally incapable of being honest with yourself like all that stuff is now um very still very triggering for me because it was so traumatic for me to leave um and and it's a big brave decision to do that and you lose i lost most of my community i didn't know anyone else outside of the people online who were recovering outside of aa all my friends were in aa all the women at the sober living were with aa like i had three female friends no maybe like four or five female friends who stuck by me after I left but the rest of them kind of went away and so I had to learn how to make new friendships and sobriety and recovery right like outside of going to a meeting because those people didn't want anything to do with me they thought I was dangerous that they couldn't be around me Ugh. I mean with like hearing that what just pops into my mind is like that's not true sobriety like if you're yeah. going to dump people because because of that like that I'm sorry but that's not that's not like living um like an honest judgment like judgment free life like that's not that's not my definition of sobriety no but uh, but here's the thing um i think it has a lot to do with obviously the group think in um in the 12 step community where mm. they tell them don't you know like who you hang around around matters and so if they're here believing that aa is the only way and they truly believe that i'm going to relapse or die like they have to pull away from me and a lot of these women like from sober living or whatever who pulled away were in very early sobriety Mm. um but it hurt it hurts more when the women who i admired in those groups for like 10 years of sobriety like when those women like pulled away or unfriended me or stopped show you know like stopped calling me or stopped showing up and told other women not to be around me like that. That that is what really sucks. It's hurtful. It's, it's they're just close-minded, unfortunately, and yeah, um, and that's one of the reasons why I talk so openly about it, and why I write blogs about it, and why I take all the criticism and mean comments 
um, and listen to people who told me I tell my sobriety, I stole my sobriety and stuff like that. Like now I don't really care because I've had so much of it, but at first yeah. it was really, really hurtful. But today I'm confident, you know, in where I am in my path. And, and so it's like, you know, whatever, all I can do is, is try to reach the people who need to hear this message. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's funny you say that. Cause like when I first kind of started out, I got a lot of like hate mail, like literally people sliding into my DM seeing, saying that like, I'm a horrible person and that yeah. I'm going to like rotten hell because I don't do yeah. AA and that I left AA and it's like, what? Yeah, that's so <laughs> traumatic and hard. Who talks like yeah. that. I know. And why, why would... do you feel the need to do that to someone? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different. That is the beauty of this life, you know? Yeah. Everyone's different. Everyone has different opinions, points of views. And like, dude, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So you don't go to meetings. How do you practice your sobriety or recovery? Yeah. Um, what do you like to call it? Sobriety or recovery? I call it both. It yeah. It's too. interchangeable for me. Um, so I still have like my recovery is the number one priority in my life. Like I, that's always on my mind. I have to still have a strong, very strong relationship with God, which is like another priority to have for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I write every, like most every single day, something about recovery and sobriety. Um, like, and everyone I follow on social media, on like Instagram is in recovery. And so it reminds me of like this truth of, of my life and it, and it shows me like where I want to be and that I, and that I never want to go back. So that's helpful. But mm-hmm. I also like exercise is very important to me. Um, I used yeah. to lift weights now I've been running, which like, um, running outside, which is totally new experience for me, but that's like meditative in itself. Yeah. Um, I I am self-aware and I recognize my mistakes and my failings and I apologize or I work on myself. I read tons of self-help books and addiction education books and um, I write all the like I write all the time. I have gone to a number of like the She Recovers conferences and events to meet other women. I've had my own um, little sobriety meetups what in whatever state I lived in. Um, like I, I stay connected to an IRL community as well. Yeah. It's important for me to have like sober women in my life and not just the inter- internet, <laughs> but I listen to podcasts. Um, like honestly, I don't like, uh, of course, like I think about recovery every day, but I don't need to like do some, something for my recovery every day. This is just how I choose to live my life. Right. Um, and that's what recovery has given me is like a beautiful way to live my life that I know um, I will continue to heal. Mm. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. 
My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. I like that. Yeah. Mind blown. I love that. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about your boyfriend and your relationship. I always get questions about dating and recovery and what that's like. Tell me the story of how you met your BF. Okay. Um, So I... um, (laughs) (laughs) like about a year into my recovery um Uh I got in a relationship with this guy who's a very nice man but I was um it's like right on the dot I was like okay I can't get in a relationship for a year all right one year um no but I (laughs) I did started dating this guy um my self-esteem was so low that I was like wow this guy likes me and he has a real job and he has an apartment can't believe he likes me. Like, I just didn't think much of myself. I only thought, I still thought of myself very much as the woman I was in my addiction. And I couldn't get out, couldn't get out of the picture of who I was, like, in that moment or who I was becoming. Um, He was like a kind guy, whatever. We were together a year and a half and he dumped me. Um, And so I wrote this article, How to Survive a Breakup and Recovery. And this Mm -hmm. is like, it was like, six months after I started my blog. And then I noticed that Austin started following my page and I hadn't, I didn't know who he was. He um, has a page on Instagram and Facebook called Sober Revolution, but he was wearing this t-shirt that said on a drug-free diet and he looked absolutely stunningly handsome. <laughs> and so I, I showed my roommate who I had moved in with. She was actually a woman I met off the internet who was sober and lived close okay. to me and she let me live with her um, because I had to move out of my boyfriend's house. Um, Anyway, so I showed her a picture of Austin. I was like, ooh, I hope he talks to me. <laughs> and he never did. Uh, I follow, I obviously started following him. Um, but then, like, he would post all these selfies. And, I, and, like, all these girls would comment and be like, ooh, you're so hot. You're so sexy. And I was like, oh, this guy is vain as fuck. And, like, um, yeah. like no, I'm not interested he anymore. He probably is and, just, like, such a player. Yeah, like- I started having all these judgments because of my own issues and my own, and my own path. <laughs> and so, um, like a year later, I was moving to Florida for a job, to work for a detox facility. And okay. I was putting together a marketing plan. And I thought of him because I knew he lived in Orlando. Um, and I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. that would be nice to have like sober evolution do something um, with us. And so I reached out to him and I asked him if he wanted to go get coffee. And so like, a month later, we ended up uh, meeting up 
and we actually ended up getting sushi. Um, but anyway, and, mm. and so like when I met him, um, obviously I thought he was handsome, but we already know that. But yeah, I started like asking him tons of questions because I'm um, a very curious person, and every answer felt like a beauty pageant answer because it was like so perfect <laughs> and so nice, and I didn't believe that anyone could be that nice, and I was like. As if that's a beauty yeah. pageant answer. And, but it's gen, like, he's just a genuine person. He was raised in Ohio. He's super nice. Like, he's like probably yeah. the nicest person I know. He's way, way nicer than me. Um, and, <laughs> and we've we started dating and we've been together a little over two years and it's been amazing and rad to have a partner. My previous partner wasn't sober. So mm-hmm. it is nice to have a partner who is sober and Austin. Um, hasn't gone to 12 steps in like, um, over five years. He's over six years sober. So he is like very into like recovering his own way too, which is nice. And, um, yeah. I, we are two independent people who love each other, but don't need each other. And I'd never really experienced that before. I always felt like I needed my partner. Um, and I like would be jealous and insecure and like obsessed with what they were doing. And, and so it's just a new healthy relationship and um it's wonderful and lovely and he's awesome and we have a little family with our pet pig peaches. Oh my god, peaches. Yeah. Yep. Your little yep. pig daughter. So my pig cute. daughter that was in my bed and she woke me up this morning at 4 a.m. by stepping on me three <gasps> times and grunting oh. in my ear. <laughs> so Oh my god. She's a lot to handle. So it is like having a yeah. kid. That's why it's our family. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah oh. that's how we met. Well, it's an Instagram miracle or a Facebook miracle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It totally Love is. And I love those. on dating. We talked about this, which people won't hear because I sound like a chipmunk. So it wasn't recorded. But like, yeah. I don't have tons of experience in like the right way to date. Like, I barely like like a year I was in a relationship and then like a year I was not in a relationship but because I have love addiction like when mm-hmm. he broke up with me I wasn't I was trying on purpose not to date anyone or like reach out to a guy or try to like um fill my loneliness with a man because that was my pattern and so I purposely right. didn't try to date anyone so it's like I'm not the best person to ask how to date in sobriety you would be the better person to ask Oy, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. I wanted to talk actually about what it's like dating someone who's not sober. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you, yeah. do you find that like hard? I mean, I kind of um, do a little bit. Yeah. For me, because the, the person I was dating, like, didn't drink that much. Um, yeah. You know, like, and he would go out with his friends on Friday night. And I wouldn't go with because I just wasn't interested in going out and getting drunk and going to the bar scene. And so, like, right. I didn't see him get drunk. Um, and, like, if he drank, he was never drunk. So, like, for me, it wasn't really an issue. The thing, it, I guess it was a little because when we first started dating, obviously, I only had, like, a, a little over a year of sobriety. And I remember uh, my issue, like, my biggest issue, the one that was killing me, was drugs. And so I was like, oh, maybe yeah. one day I'll I'll drink again. Like maybe I'll have some drinks with this family or my family, but I have to be sober for five years before I start drinking again. 
And mm-hmm. and that was like my idea. And I think I got that because I would see him like drinking um, or even see my family drinking. Luckily, my my mindset about that has completely changed. I'm never going to drink again. And I'm grateful for sobriety. But like, I guess it did give me little hopes that I could drink like him. Um, right. And I remember like going on a cruise with him and getting just annoyed, not only with him, but with my family, because like they were all like, I don't, it doesn't bother me when people drink, but if I'm around people who are super drunk and who are making no sense, I'm like, you know, they're blacking out. Like I have to step away from that. And so that's hard. That's hard to see. I think if, and I don't think I could deal with that in a relationship. If I was with someone who was getting blackout drunk all the time or like slurring their words, it would just be too much for me personally to handle. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not an, not an option. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just think it's funny. Okay. This is a really funny story. Um, so right. I kind of, I went on this date. I went on a, like a first date and you know, like I'm fine with someone having like a couple drinks, whatever. Yeah. And then she like the check is about to come and she's like, do you, like, how do you usually do it when you go out for dinner with someone? Do, is it annoying if they have drinks and you don't? Like, do you split it? What is the protocol? And I straight up said, yeah, it's annoying. I don't want to pay for your drinks. <laughs> no, I wouldn't oh, either. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I'm with anyone and they're drinking, I'm like, no, like, you're, you can pay for your drinks and I'll pay for mine because drinks are expensive. Dude, yes, especially when you're drinking twenty dollar bottle uh, glasses of wine. Yeah, yeah. Call me crazy. I don't want to pay for that shit. And like, no. I don't. And it's like, I don't want. It's not like I feel awkward paying for alcohol. It's just like, why? Like, why is this even an issue? Like, why are you even bringing it up? But whatever. That's besides the point. Yeah. She's new to the whole yeah. sitch. But okay, so right, have that conversation. She initiates that conversation. Literally, the waiter comes over and she's like, oh, would you like the check together or or like split it? And she's like, oh, yeah, just split it down the middle after I just said, I don't want to pay for your drinks, woman. <laughs> you told me that and she said split it down the middle? Yes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, I just thought I, I thought that was so I would, rude. I would again say, um, I already told you I don't want to pay for your drinks. I'll pay for what I had, and you can pay for what you had. I was honestly, Laura, I was so shocked that I just ripped that check. I'm like, whatever, and I just signed it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is never happening again. And it wasn't. Yeah. It was actually kind of like a bigger thing to me because it's like, okay, so I told you, I specifically told you something that I don't like or I don't want to do and you went ahead and and you did it anyways yeah like yeah. and it's just like a little thing like for paying for well, drinks, that's but like a, what that's is that kind of red flag yeah right that's a red flag mm-hmm. oh my god totally and I would if I was drinking or if I was like not where I am today I would have been like cool when's our next date <laughs> I think she yeah I know. like gross I know. Yeah, no. I know. It's nice <laughs> to be present and sober and clear-minded to be able to spot someone who would not be beneficial to our lives now. 
You know, totally. like we wouldn't have been able to see that before. You just kind of cut through the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's actually hard to pretend like that you don't see like <laughs> the major red flags. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Which can be good and bad. Okay, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, I really want this to work out, but I'm literally blinded by red flags right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also talk to you about another topic. So, okay. like influencers. I know it's kind of a dirty word. <laughs> Don't you think it's kind of dirty? I just made a post about it today because of my um, annoyance with the way that sobriety is being presented in the media. Because yeah. like that's a I don't want to be called an influencer. Like I want to be called what I am, which is a writer or a truth teller or mm-hmm. a sober woman. Like I don't. That's not a label I want to claim, and it's and it and it's not the reason why I write and and you know, journal on my Instagram or why I have that page. It has nothing to do with being a um, quote marks influencer. Like now. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, ugh, I don't, I don't know. It's like a very, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, the same with that, um, that article, that wall street journal article, right? Yeah. Wall street, the New yeah. York times, New yeah. York times. The New York Times. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. 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 We've been having a week, um, with sobriety, like, and then Vox came out with an article, sobriety is having a moment. So, um, while it's beneficial that sobriety is being covered, I think most people's issue is the way that it's being painted to look easy or pretty or something cute, like the New York Times the pictures that they had and it kind of just made a mockery of sobriety. Yes. And I think a lot of people who have been truly affected by addiction and have fought for their lives to get sober um, are very upset, me included, about the way that it's being portrayed. And it has absolutely nothing to do with how other people got sober, it has nothing to do with humans who label themselves sober curious or sober for the health of it. It has to do with how the the media is, is choosing to portray sobriety because, mm-hmm. like, we have people who are dying on the streets and we have people in our communities, you know, who are struggling for their lives. And so um, it's upsetting um, for major media outlets to make sobriety look like something that it's completely not. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just diluting it, right? Yeah. And putting it in this yeah. cute little package with this nice, bright, shiny little bow on it and be like, oh, here, try this on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I've, I, so I've been on my period this week. I've gotten like averaging six hours of sleep <laughs> a night. I've read these articles. I've participated in the conversations. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm here for the fight because I believe in speaking truth and I want to be a voice to say why this is so upsetting and hope people get it because I'm not trying to offend anyone but I think people who don't see it sit from a place of like who don't understand why some of us are so angry they sit from a place of privilege where addiction has never entered their life and they they have not experienced it or lived that life so they cannot see why some of us who have are so upset um right yeah yeah 
Yeah, and I think it's great that you, that you are speaking of, out about it. I mean, that's why people yeah, gravitate towards you. Thank you. I think it's great that so many people are, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to di- to divide the community because I think however anyone gets sober is incredible, badass, amazing. I just. Right. I think people need to understand that it has nothing to do with your drinking or your way of sobriety. It's not attacking that at all. It's attacking. No. We don't want the media to be portraying recovery and sobriety like this and telling people that you can be sober and drink a little. That's very, very no. dangerous, very dangerous messaging to people who are truly, truly struggling for their lives to think that, you know, this is what sobriety is, something where you can drink a little because it's not not the truth for most people. No, not an option. Total, total abstinence. Yeah, yeah. And isn't that like not even the de- the definition of sobriety yeah like, i know <laughs> isn't the, yeah. the the literal definition of sobriety is abstaining from like mind altering stuff so- yeah mhm so i'm uh, abstinent from bit- everything i know you are too so yes. but like so- sober means you don't you don't drink yeah yeah okay well that doesn't mean a little bit fyi you're right here first <laughs> <laughs> in case you didn't know <laughs> yep yeah it's like a couple like a couple years ago i remember it's so funny like trends trendy is such a stupid word it's so yeah ugh. um i never want to be trendy because i just want to be me but exactly. um, remember like a couple years ago maybe like i don't know eight years ago like being a lesbian was trendy yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like with the l word and all this stuff and all this media yeah. you know being gay was cool like right. what yeah like, and how did that make you feel not great yeah 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 and yeah. I, I mean it's because it's not it's not trendy it's not just like a phase that i'm going through it's like right this exactly. is how i live my life yeah totally totally yeah. And don't like wrap me up in your little experiments. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I know. And it's the sa- I feel the exact same way for sobriety too. Me too. It, me yeah. too. So I'm hoping that the narrative will be changed and we can all move on from this and <laughs> get back to doing work that matters, not arguing about yeah, but it's important to argue about it, but like it's just like I don't I'm I'm going to be over talking about this pretty soon because it's just taking too much of my mind space and clarity to be angry about it. I'm going to have to let it go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I wouldn't say that you I mean, when I read stuff that you write, I don't I wouldn't say that you're you're coming off as like arguing. I think you're stating really valid points. And like I said, Thank like you. I like to hear your opinion and your points of view because I really agree with it. And, and sometimes I myself am opened up to new, to new ways of thinking or yeah, to new opportunities. Yeah. Totally. And I, I, I appreciate that. And I feel that way about other people who are speaking other things like on their mind and, and saying they're true. That opens my mind up mm-hmm. to things I had never thought about. Yeah. So on that note, where can people read about you and read and follow you on Instagram? Stuff like that. 
Give us the plug. So the first place they can find me is LaraFraser.com. That's my blog. Um, mm-hmm. That's where my essays are. Another work that I've done is on my as on that blog. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Silly Lara. Um, that's where I do like I like the majority of my writing um, today because I'm I we talked about this, but I'm writing a book, and so yeah. I don't like blog as much as I used to. And by the way, your book came out today. What is it called again? How to save your own damn life? Yeah, it's called Save Your Own Damn Life. Save and your own damn life on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, to yes, do it yourself. Self help book. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, it's amazing. I can't wait to get it. And I and I want to commend you because writing a book is freaking hard, and it's brave, and it's such a huge accomplishment. And so I hope so many people um, are able to read your book and read your words and and be inspired by you and learn better ways to heal. Oh, thank you so much. I. Th- don't talk about me. This is about you. Well, Don't bring sorry. me into this. <laughs> I just thought that, I mean, it's today. So it's like a major day when your book launches. So we kind of had to talk about it. And I hope that in a couple years when my book launches, that people will do the same for me. So I'm just passing, just passing it on. Um, <laughs> oh, but you can find you. my blog, LaraFraser.com or me on Instagram at SillyLara. Yeah. yeah. Get it. Follower. Good stuff. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more question to round, round it out. Um, okay. To anyone listening right now who may be struggling with their sobriety or thinking about getting sober, what piece of advice would you give to someone listening right now? Um, I would say like to trust your intuition and your knowing that this substance is wrong for you if you're not already there. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that we can do hard things. And I would think about the act of actually quitting that thing that's killing you or that's toxic to you or that's unhealthy in your life. Because so often we do a lot of research and we read a lot of blogs and we read a lot of books but we're still doing the thing that's hurting us. So it, mm-hmm. it starts by putting that thing down and actually doing that heavy, heavy shit of actually quitting. And that's like the most terrifying moment, but it's it's when your life starts to open up. And no matter how many times, if you slipped or you picked back up, um, like you don't lose everything you gained. And every like an, it's a moment of courage and bravery to start again and start again and start again. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I think that you can trust your path, um, and trust your truth. There's multiple ways to sobriety and multiple ways to recovery. And I'm glad more people are speaking up about that. And I also want to say that, as I've already said, is that sobriety is the greatest gift I never, ever asked for and never wanted, but it truly is. It, cliche and I hate it, but it has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. I am showing up for my life and living a life that feels true and honest and full of integrity and grace. And those are things I didn't have in my life. And um, the number one thing would be that I have peace today and I don't define mm. myself by labels or identities or what other people think of me. Like I, I truly have um, a sense of peace just because of how I get to live my life because 
I nearly died and I had to wake up to my life and, and get sober. And, and mm-hmm. so that's why it's, it's a gift because I went through addiction only for a short period of time. Um, and I, and even though it brought, like it brought me down to the lowest of lows, like, um, there's this quote by Rebecca Campbell that says, bless the thing that broke you down and cracked you open because the world needs you open. So I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that struggle and that addiction because it did. It broke yeah. me down and it cracked me open. And here I am getting to live this life. And this life sometimes freaking sucks hard and it's <laughs> shitty not to be able to escape pain. And um, I may check out in other ways through binge watching television or vaping my nicotine. Um, but like it's it's, it's yeah. it compares a lot less to snorting Adderall or smoking meth or doing any of that. So um, recovery right. is something to be proud of and it should empower you. Totally. Yeah. Yes, it should. You should be proud of it. I love yeah. that. Laura, thank you. Lara, Lara. Thank you so, <laughs> so much for being here and sharing your experiences and your knowledge. Dude, love you. Of course. I love Big you. Love. And thank you so much for asking me to do that. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I freaking love that girl. How awesome is Lara? And that, that's what it's all about, right? It's about finding that peace. I don't think I ever knew peace in my life until I was able to find recovery. So look at that. It's a twofer. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Thank you for your love and support. And please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave some comments. We love reading your feedback and suggestions. Throw some comments out there. Love to hear from you guys. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide. And check out the blog. Don't sleep on the blog, man. Got lots of cool stuff up there, including a link to my new book. Yes, you heard it here. The book is out. It is out and it is proud and it is available for you to buy on Amazon. So if you can go to Amazon.com and you can search Save Your Own Damn Life or you can search my name, Jessica Jabot, and it'll pop up and just hit buy. Just get it. Do yourself a favor. It's really funny. It's really light. It's easy. It's a fun read. I'm pretty amused by myself, as you can tell. Anyways, thank you so much for listening and have a good day. Bye.